All right, so uh, the, the topic that was uh, written there uh, as, a, as a request was rock, stronghold, and shelter. Uh, those three words, and, and we're going to talk about those things uh, this morning in my lesson and just look at um, what we can see in the Bible about those things, uh, and I'm sure everyone here is a, a fairly good Bible student uh, and, and will understand you know, where we're headed with that, but you know, just to, to think about those three words, rock, stronghold, and shelter, as I, as I started to study and look for those verses and, and uh, just see where those words appeared uh, in the Bible, the first thing that jumped out at me uh, is how closely linked all three of those things are uh, in the Bible. Uh, a lot of times those words will show up in the same passages or in the same thought in a set of verses, and so... Uh, you'll notice that as we read the, the passages that those three words, rock, stronghold, and shelter, or, or stronghold and refuge, will all uh, kind of intermingle with each other. Um, and so, what I wanted just to, to think about Bible definitions of these three words, uh, when you see rock, uh, and we're not talking about just a, you know, a rock that you pick up out in the driveway, when you see rock, uh, referred to in a spiritual sense, uh, or you know, in a, I guess in a in a mental sense, what is the Bible talking about there? It's a type of foundation, uh, is really what what is being uh, said there, uh, and it's a type of sure foundation. And and you automatically think of the the story uh, that we sing a lot of times in the kids' classes about the wise man built his house upon a rock. And you think about what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, uh, there in verse 24 about, He who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a man who built his house upon the rock. And what's the point behind what Jesus is saying there? That the rock is the right place to build your house. It's a sure foundation is something that will stand and, and be there and, and not be moved. And so that's what we're talking about when we, when we think about uh, rock. Uh, what if you had to think about uh, and, and put yourself in Bible times, right? A person who, who didn't have the technology we have, the, the equipment that we have today, you know, what would these people back then have thought of when, when God uh, or, or the Bible talks about a rock or him being a rock? You know, what would they have equated that to? What was a rock to them back then? It was, it was something a lot of times that was heavy or immovable, right? It was uh, something that... that uh, they would use for shelter. It's something, you know, the cave would be in the rocks. You think about the cleft of the rock, right? Those type things, uh, you know, come to mind uh, when, when you uh, think about a rock and, and what that is. And uh, you can see how that's uh, correlated with a stronghold uh, and how a rock could be a stronghold. Uh, the, the vine's definition, if you look up stronghold uh, from, from a Bible definition you're going to find a fortress or to make firm uh, and so the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of uh, a fortress or a stronghold um, is I don't know how many of you in here have seen the Lord of the Rings movies but they they retreat to a, a stronghold it's a it's basically a castle built into the side of a rock wall you know and that is the stronghold and so that's that's what that is. A stronghold's a place you can go, uh, oftentimes associated with a rock or a cliff, uh, something like that, somewhere you can go that is 
um, hard for someone to get to you there. Uh, and so uh, David in, in 1 Samuel, if you want to turn there, we can see David seems to be a big fan of strongholds. Uh, he used them a lot when he was in the wilderness fleeing from Saul. But 1 Samuel chapter 23 is a, you know, we can just, one of the places where we can see David dwelling in the strongholds. 1 Samuel 23, <clears throat> uh, verses 13 and 14 says, So David, uh, and this is with Saul pursuing him, it says, So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. And then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah. So he halted the expedition. And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Uh, and Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. And so you see uh, David uh, fleeing to the strongholds in the wilderness. And, and you, you know, I have to think that uh, people knew where those were. Uh, they knew uh, that these uh, strongholds, uh, whether they were caves or, or cliff faces, places that you could get, uh, that from a strategic point were shelter and they were safety and they were uh, somewhere that you could go uh, that people could not get to you easily. Uh, refuge is the same idea. You flee to a stronghold. Ref that's what refuge is talking about. Uh, the Bible definition of that is the idea of fleeing to somewhere. And, and when you think of, of refuge or a place of refuge, at least me, you know, first thing that comes to my mind is the cities of refuge that God put in place for the Israelites back in Numbers chapter 35 uh, he told them to set aside cities of refuge. And what was the purpose of those? It was for someone who had committed manslaughter, who had accidentally killed someone, could flee to that city, and there he would be protected until he could come before the, before the judge. Uh, and so a refuge is a place to run to where you can be protected. And so you put all those together, you can see how they're all linked together and tied together. Uh, and... You know, as is so common in scriptures, uh, God has used everyday things or used things in the world around us, things that we're familiar with, things that we can understand to describe things about himself. You know, uh, that's, that's the only way I think that we could relate to who God is and understand these character traits about God, understand these things about him is through him using things uh, of this world that we're familiar with. Uh, and, and that's what's going on here when you look at these terms. Uh, and so I just want to look at uh, some of the passages where uh, these terms appear and, and think about uh, maybe uh, some, some applications we can draw from that from our life and considering that God is you know, this rock and this stronghold and this refuge. That's, that's how he's describing himself when you, you'll see in these verses. That's how people are referring to God and describing him as a rock, as a stronghold, and, and as a refuge. And so as we read these passages, um, let's think about a few things. Think about, first of all, how is God these things? You know, uh, why would God describe himself or why is he being described as these things? And, you know, when and why is it important for us to know that he is these things? When do we need him to be this? 
uh, for us. And, and just kind of have all that in your mind or those questions in your mind as we look at these uh, passages. <clears throat> Turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Be the first one, Deuteronomy 32. All right, we'll be uh, reading verses 3 and 4. It says, we can actually start in verse 1 uh, and, and read through 4. It goes well together. It says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, and my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb and as showers on the grass. For I, pro I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Okay, and so right there we see God saying his name is rock. And this isn't the only place he's referred to as that. Uh, and we can get a little bit of insight into why his name can be rock. Why would he call himself that or, or why would this name be given to him? Uh, it's because all of his ways are justice. His work is perfect. He's a God of truth. Uh, righteous and upright is he. Uh, and so, again, think of the idea of immovable, uh, reliable, firm, a foundation. All of those things uh, fall into that. Look at, look at uh, Psalms. You know, there's, there's plenty of these passages all throughout Psalms. David, of all the writers uh, and characters we see, David seemed to be uh, most attuned to the fact that God was a, a refuge and a, a rock and a place that you could go to in time of trouble. Uh, Psalms chapter 18, there's bunch, bunches of these. I just picked out uh, <clears throat> some of them. Psalms chapter 18, verse 1 says, I will love you, O Lord, with my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Okay, so there is one of the places... Like I was saying, where all of these terms appear in one train of thought right there. Uh, you've got uh, David uh, talking about how the Lord is his strength, his rock, his fortress, uh, his deliverer, his shield, uh, the horn of his salvation. You know, all of those things. And, and you know, why would David refer to God as that except he understood that that's who God had been to him. He understood that's who God was going to be to him and uh, that he could rely on God to be that, to, to be the one that would save him from his enemies. Uh, Psalms chapter 31. Psalms 31, starting in uh, verse 1. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed deliver me in your righteousness bow down your ear to me deliver me speedily be my rock of refuge a fortress of defense to save me for you are my rock and my fortress 
Therefore, your name, therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. <clears throat> so again, same thing. You'll see this over and over again in the Psalms uh, from David talking about how the Lord had delivered him, how he uh, could flee to the Lord for safety, for refuge. Um, and you never get the sense that David is wondering if God can come through on his end of the deal. It, you know, it's always David has this clear picture in his head that, you know, God's going to take care of me. God's going to protect me. God's going to uh, be that rock and that fortress and that shield for me. Uh, Psalm 62. Okay, we'll start in, uh, let's see, start in verse 5. You can really start back in verse 1, but uh, verse 5, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Okay, and so, you know, there's another place where those all of those terms are appearing there. Uh, the rock, refuge, salvation, uh, the idea of of God being his defense, that's what a stronghold is, is, is defense for you when something's coming at you. Uh, and, and God uh, is all of those things uh, to David and to us uh, today. What, um, what in verse 8 is David encouraging everyone else to do is to trust in God that he will be those things, right? Uh, and... Pour out your heart before him because he is your refuge. And so, you know, David is not uh, ever just describing this as something that just he and God have. It's a character trait of God. It's something that everyone has access to with God uh, if, if they will trust in him uh, and go to him for that. Psalms chapter 71 uh, is the next one. Psalm 71, uh, starting in verse 1. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked and out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man. For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. Uh, and so, you know, again, David saying these same things about who God is to him uh, and who God is in character. You know, this, this stronghold this refuge, um, this protector, uh, all of these things uh, is who God is. Uh, Psalm, uh, Samuel, first, second Samuel chapter 22. Um, 
another one that's good to look at. 2 Samuel 22. <clears throat> you could read the whole chapter. We're not going to do that. It, it's, it's fairly long. Uh, but it's David saying these same things. Um, you know, God had delivered David, uh, and David has this uh, psalm or song uh, talking about how good of a defender, how, how much of a refuge, how wonderful of a strength and shield God is uh, to him. And you'll recognize some of this, uh, I believe, almost verbatim for what we read in some of the Psalms. But um, starting in verse 1, it says, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I'll trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my my Savior, you saved me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Um, and it just, like I said, you could read the whole chapter, and, and it's over and over again David saying, I was in trouble, the Lord took care of me. I was in trouble, the Lord delivered me. You know, I was in trouble, I fled to the Lord. Uh, that's, what, that's what he's saying over and over again, and he's praising God for being the one that he could go to and the one that he could count on uh, to, to do that for him. Uh, and again, there's never a doubt in David's mind when you read this. He, he relies on that fact about God. I think that was a, a, a strong thing in his mind that when he was in trouble, he knew he could go to God for help. All right. Um, let's talk about refuge. Uh, just a little bit. Like I said, all these things are kind of intertwined. Uh, turn to Proverbs. <clears throat> just a few verses with, with the word refuge in it uh, that we have not looked at yet. And notice some things about this. Uh, one of the common thing, themes that, that we see in all these readings, the things that David had written um, about this is Continually him saying you have to trust in the Lord. Go to him. Um, you know, it's basically those who are on the Lord's side can have this confidence in God to protect them. Um, Proverbs chapter 14 uh, tells us that same thing. Verse 26 says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to one to turn one away from the snares of death. Okay, and so in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Uh, and we understand what that's saying. That, that's saying if you know who God is, if you respect Him, if you honor Him, then there's confidence because He's going to be on your side. Uh, you know, if you, if you said the opposite of that, you know, uh, without the fear of the Lord, there is no confidence in Him, right? If you don't respect Him... Uh, for who he is and rely on him and, and honor him and be pleasing, pleasing to him, you know, there is no strong confidence in that. Um, so, you know, these, these passages we're looking at with, with uh, talking about refuge and, uh, and fleeing to God, you know, they're going to all have that theme that those who are faithful to God can count on God to be that way. Um, Psalms 9-9. I guess they get the blessing. God is that way, but they get the blessing of God uh, being their protector. 
Psalm 9-9. I will praise you, O Lord. 9-9, sorry. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Uh, and so again, I just wanted to see some passages here that, that linked uh, this protection and this refuge and this rock, you know, the, the, the benefits of, of being able to access those attributes of God with trusting in Him, uh, being pleasing to Him, having that fear of the Lord that we see uh, we're supposed to have. Psalms 46. In verse 1, <clears throat> uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. And though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Um, and so there again God referred to as a refuge and, and you can keep reading that and that, that's reiterated throughout that psalm. Uh, Nahum chapter 1 uh, is the, the last one I had talking about the Lord being a stronghold or a refuge for those who trust in Him. I'm going to have to find Nahum. Nahum chapter uh, 1 and verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who trust Him. Uh, but with an overflowing flood, He will make an other, utter end of its place, and a darkness will pursue His enemies. Uh, and so what I wanted to, to notice in that is He knows those who trust Him. All right, God, you know, throughout the Bible, uh, God is always focused on those who are faithful to Him. Those who trust Him, those who rely on Him is, is who He shows favor to, is, is who the blessings go to. And so um, <clears throat> that's something that we have to, to keep in our mind. All right, so you know, we've looked at all these passages um, and, and thinking about those questions about you know, why would God say that about Himself? Why is this important for me to, to know? Is this useful information to me as I'm trying to, to live a life pleasing to God? And, um, you know, I would say, uh, at least to me, that it's, it's very useful. One of, to, one of the main things that we see in all this is that the Lord is a safe place to go during times of trouble. And, you know, you'll sometimes uh, hear it said, well, you know, people always want to rely on God only when they're in trouble. And, and you do see that, you know, when things get going good, uh, God seems to be forgotten about. Uh, but God paints Himself as someone who is there for us in times of trouble. And so it's not, it's not wrong to turn to God, to go to God, to rely on God in times of trouble. He wants us. Uh, to do that, and, and He's there for us uh, when we need to do that. And, you know, trouble comes in all kind of, of forms and fashions. You know, the, the things we've been reading about, a lot of it was actual enemies attacking David, right? People were after him trying to kill him. I don't know that uh, that's a very common situation for us today, uh, but, 
you know, we do have troubles that we need to flee to the Lord uh, for protection, whether it's, you know, temptations of this life, uh, things that are trying to pull us away from God. It can be difficult situations in our life, hardships, uh, sorrow. <clears throat> you know, all of those things all of us are familiar with and all of us have experienced. And uh, if, if you've ever uh, done what you see David doing, you know, when you're going through a difficult time, going to God and, and relying on Him for that comfort, you know that's a good feeling. And that is something that can give you peace and will give you peace if you trust in Him and, and allow uh, for Him to be your stronghold, for Him to be your refuge. Uh, and so this is a wonderful blessing for us that we can do this. Um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes you'll see people who... Uh, it, it seems like their world's falling apart around them, and they don't have that to be able to run to. And that's a, you know, that's a sad thing and a, and a terrible thing to not be able to run to something sure, something that that won't change, something that's reliable. Uh, that, you know, I don't. I think everybody uh, in here is probably at some point or another maybe dealt with people, whether it's in business or situations where where you know you're dealing with someone that's not reliable, that's not trustworthy. And, and how does that make you feel? That's not a comforting feeling, right? You're, you're worried they're going to not hold up their end of the deal. You're worried they're going to do something wrong to mess up whatever it is you're, you're involved with. And, and when we deal with God, when we go to Him, that's not what we have to worry about. He, he will hold up uh, his, his end of the bargain every time. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. He's described as good and faithful and loving and merciful. Um, and he calls himself a rock, you know, uh, you know, something that is a firm foundation. <clears throat> now, there's uh, just a few New, New Testament passages um, that, that talk about these words or, or paint this picture or describe these things that we've been talking about this morning. Uh, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is one of them. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> you know, I guess the one of the take-home points from this is, you know, if, if you are not a Christian, if you've never submitted yourself to God, never submitted yourself uh, uh, to Christ, to... Uh, being obedient to Him, being buried with Him in baptism, uh, to have your sins washed away, then you know you are in trouble. Uh, you you are in a bad uh, situation with God, and you may not recognize that or, or know that. But but based on what the Scriptures tell us, uh, that is not a good state to be in. Uh, you are in need of this rock and this stronghold and this refuge, uh, and. You know the the picture that's painted in in the New Testament is there. There's things that you have to participate in and do to uh, be able to have access to that. Look at First Corinthians chapter ten. <clears throat> Read uh, starting in verse one. It says, "Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea." And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank from the same spiritual drink. 
For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples uh, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted, and do not become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit <clears throat> sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so it's kind of a long reading there, but, but look at the things that are talked about there. We've got Christ referred to uh, as this rock. It says in verse 4, They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But then what do we see about them? We see that, you know, basically uh, this example that Paul's putting forth to, to the people there at Corinth is, look, don't be like the ones who were disobedient. Don't be like the ones who didn't do the things pleasing to God. Uh, you know, that did not go well for them. That's not what God's looking for. Uh, he's given the, these examples to us to look at and see what was good in his eyes and what was bad. And... Um, you know, again, the, the latter part of what we read talking about temptation uh, and how God won't allow us to be tempted past what we're able and, and how there's a way of escape, you know, that goes back to the concept of a refuge or a stronghold, a protection from God. Um, <clears throat> in Matthew 16, a uh, passage that, you know, pretty much everyone's probably familiar with there, uh, where Jesus asked Peter, you know, who do you think I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. Uh, and what is Jesus' response? Uh, Upon this, I'm going to build the church. Upon this rock, I will build the church. And, and he's talking about the fact that, you know, his church will be founded on Christ and, and the, the salvation that is through him. Uh, and he's referring to that as a rock. It's a sure foundation. It's something... Uh, that the church is built on that cannot be moved. And so I wanted to look at <clears throat> two more passages, and then the lesson will be yours. In Hebrews chapter 6, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6, um, starting in verse 17. And this, this passage speaks to, again, the surety of God's promises. But uh, look in verse 17 of Hebrews 6. It says, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. 
This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, of which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And so for us today as Christians, you know, look at what this passage is. To me, this ties it all together. You know, what have we done? Um, when, you, when you think about what verse 18 is saying, uh, that basically it's impossible for God to lie. So we know that we can have strong consolation. We can have strong comfort. We can, we can know and feel good about uh, the promises that he's made, the promises of salvation, the promises of protection, the promises of, of, of everything he tells us in Scripture. Um, and look at, at who it refers to us as. What are we called except for those who have fled for refuge to lay hope of the salvation before us. Uh, and so I guess that's my, my encouragement uh, for all of us today is if there's anyone here who has not fled for refuge, has not come to him, uh, has never obeyed the gospel, um, never confessed Jesus as Christ and as Lord, uh, never been buried in water, washed away his sins and raised up a new man, then we offer that uh, opportunity here today and we want that for you. We want you to be one who has fled to him for refuge. Uh, and and for those of us who have done that, you know, this will be a reminder for us that, you know, remember that God is our refuge. He is our stronghold. He is our hope, uh, as, as we read here in Hebrews. Uh, He's an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Uh, all of those things are, are to give us confidence that he'll do what he says uh, he'll do, and, and that is something that is great for us to be able to rely on. Um, <clears throat> you know, the only other passage I have was in 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, and, and just to look at, uh, this comparison between uh, being faithful to God uh, and not being faithful to God. First Peter chapter 2. Starting in verse 1 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to live, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. You know, I guess that's our invitation 
uh, this morning. If, if you want to be one of these chosen people, a royal priesthood, uh, his own special ones uh, who can proclaim his praises, then uh, and we can help with that, we invite you to come as, as you stand and sing.